Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Friday begins the biblical holiday of Rosh Hashanah, and so in preparation of that, I wanted to do a little teaching on Rosh Hashanah and how your new year can be sweeter than ever. Who's ready for a sweet new year? On Rosh Hashanah, of course, it's traditional to uh, partake in apples and honey. And next uh, Sunday, here at the church, we'll have individual packs of uh, honey with an apple. We'll all partake together and release God's new year blessing into our lives. Well, how can it be the new year? It's not January 1st. Well, there's always different new years. There's a new fiscal year, a new school year, a new calendar year. This is like on God's calendar, the civil new year, the financial new year, and prosperity is about to be poured out. Amen. Who could use good measure, pressed down, shaken together? Come on, Lord. And so uh, this Friday begins the uh, Rosh Hashanah. It's a two-day celebration. Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. Uh, But this holiday uh, is also called the Feast of Trumpets. And uh, uh, it's a grand celebration. You're not fasting, you're feasting. Because you're thankful of everything that God has done through this last year. And you're preparing your spirit, you're preparing your mind, your soul for great things for the the coming year. Uh, And when you talk about Rosh Hashanah in, in Christian circles, not everybody understands why you would do that. I thought all of that was abolished. I thought all of that was Old Testament. But in Leviticus 23, God says, these are my feasts. Yes, they're Jewish feasts. Uh, and we don't want to distract or somehow... Uh, 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 appropriate, spiritually appropriate the holidays without regard to our Jewish brothers and sisters. But in Leviticus 23, that's a great chapter where all the seven feasts of the Lord are outlined. Uh, and uh, these feasts, one of the reasons, a huge reason why we should study the feast is because hidden inside the feast are every part and aspect of God's master plan for redemption. God has a plan to save the world. And he uh, enacted a big part of that plan when he sent Jesus. But in each of the feasts of the Lord, you can see Jesus. Hidden in every holiday is Christ, the hope of glory. Amen. And so when you study the feast, you begin to learn about the various uh, uh, revelations and secrets that are embedded uh, that tell the story of God's plan of redemption. 
And if you look closely, the spring holidays, which are Passover, the Feast of First Fruits, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of uh, Shavuot, uh, the Feast of Pentecost, um, uh, these uh, show us the Lord's work during His first coming. And then in uh, the fall holidays of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, this shows us the redemptive work God's master plan as part of his second coming. And so although, you know, we could have our debates and argue about when things will happen and how things will unfold, it's very likely that as it happened in the spring, when Jesus came as the Passover lamb, behold the Lamb of God! In the second uh, coming, the first part of the second coming is the rapture, where we meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 And it talks about when the last trump has sounded. Well, that uh, trump uh, is the shofar. And uh, right now, during the month of Elul, which is the month of searching, every day the shofar blows for 30 days. And then another 10 days after that from Rosh Hashanah, which is this Friday, all the way uh, until Yom Kippur, uh, it continues to blow. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm. Uh, and the alarm is Jesus is coming. <laughs> The Lord is coming. And so the holidays help us to get into the rhythm of salvation, deliverance, and redemption. And understanding God's plan. Colossians 2.17. If you go over to Colossians 2.17, you'll see that uh, the apostle Paul described... Uh, the feasts and other things as a shadow of things to come. Who's ever heard that phrase, a shadow of things to come? Uh, now, uh, the church has used that phrase, a shadow of things to come, to somehow disparage the holidays, to teach against the holidays. And when this was written, it wasn't written, don't let any man judge you if you don't celebrate. On the contrary, it was don't let any man judge you when you do celebrate. Because these are a shadow, an important thing that reveal and reflect something even greater than the holiday is coming. And that something greater, as you and I know, is that uh, the Messiah is coming. And so the holidays show us all these aspects of how God's redeeming power will work. Uh, and they contain awesome promises. And one day the promises will be for all of eternity. But if the Lord doesn't return this Feast of Trumpets, the last trump sounding, 
then uh, there's still rewards. They'll just be for the year and not for eternity. One of the deeper meanings of this word shadow, the shadow of things to come, in Jewish teaching means to elevate ourselves to a higher level. So in studying the revelations and the secrets, the mysteries of God that are in the seven feasts, the major feasts, we can elevate ourselves to a higher level. Come on, somebody. That's part of what the Christian journey is all about. 20 years later, we're not the same. 20 minutes later, we're not the same. Right? Did you feel that when you pledged your allegiance to the Lamb? That in that moment of prayer, that that divine moment, bam, something happened in your spirit that you just realized, oh my goodness, I'm going to a new level in God. Amen. Amen. And uh, this is what the spiritual journey uh, of Christianity is all about. To elevate ourselves to higher levels. You can only do that with the Word of God. You can only do that with extra... You can't, there, ain't, there, there is no abracadabra for that. Okay? There's no Will Smith, Aladdin, <laughs> that will give you your wishes and bam, they happen. No, it becomes a seed that uh, uh, is in pl- and it grows and matures and you're cultivating it and you're laying hold of some things. And this is where a lot of times people get discouraged because they don't realize that you're supposed to be a Christian farmer. They just want God to do it all. You don't want to get your plow out, your water out, your fertilizer out. You don't want to get out there and beat off the crows from eating your harvest. Too much work. I want God to do it. Get me a church where God does everything and I just sit in the pew and become pewy. So God wants us to go to a higher level. And this is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 10, 39. You can turn over there in your Bible. Matthew 10, 39. All who seek to live apart from me will lose it all. (laughs) Right? If you seek the low life, the earthly life, the worldly life, you're going to end up losing it all. It's not just one step forward and two steps back. It's one step forward and a hundred steps back. But those who let go of their lives for my sake and surrender it all to me will discover true life. Who's discovered true life in Jesus Christ? I see all your hands. So this is what we're aspiring to do, and the feast, and especially right now as the shofar is sounding as a wake-up call in our spirit and in our soul, that we need to stay on the path, right? We need to keep on our spiritual journey of loving God. We're not backsliding. We're going forward to discover more of what the abundant life, the true life, is all about. 
And so this is one of the reasons that uh, God calls the feast holy convocations. This is back to Leviticus 23. How many of you ever heard that uh, uh, word convocation? Uh, I've heard it where people, Christians, we don't know what it means, so we end up in, interpreting it in other ways, and I guess that can be true, but I want to know the origins of things, not just what somebody thought it meant. I want to know when it was written, what was God actually saying when he said, because con, convocation isn't a Hebrew word, it's an old English word. And uh, But in Hebrew, holy convocations are divine rehearsals. Check that out. Divine rehearsals. So the seven feasts of the Lord are holy convocations. uh, But when it was written, it was meant to uh, be thought of as not just sacred assemblies, but as divine rehearsals. What are we rehearsing for? The rapture. We're rehearsing for eternity. And what qualifies us to be a part of the rapture and enter into eternity? This is, uh, we're practicing for the real thing. If the Lord doesn't come back this year, we're still practicing to get things right. So when the real thing comes, we're ready, right? We got it all lined up and ready to go. One day the trumpet of God is going to sound one final time. And the rapture will happen. Will it happen on the Feast of Trumpets? Uh, Well, Passover happened uh, in its appointed time. Pentecost happened in its appointed time. We don't talk about it that much, but the Feast of First Fruits happened three days after Passover. And when Jesus died as the Passover lamb, what happened three days later? He got up <laughs> in, in parallel with the Feast of First Fruits. One day the trumpet is going to sound and we're going to be caught up in the air, First Thessalonians 4.17, and we'll be forever with the Lord. At least those of us that have been born again. Those of us who have been seeking the higher life, living our lives for the Lord. We're going to enter into eternity and receive rewards that Jesus has planned for us. Pastor's planning on talking about the five rewards. Maybe uh, he'll touch on some of that today. But this is what we're rehearsing for. Right? We're preparing ourselves to stand before the Lord and receive a judgment. The judgment that you and I want to receive is, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We need to think about it. That's why God has a divine calendar. So that we don't go by, 10 years go by, and we, we never heard uh, any of this, and we missed it all, and we were living carnally, and we didn't, oh, I didn't know! You're going 90 on the highway, and the cop pulls you over, and uh, you know, you go, I didn't know! It was, I didn't know the speed limit! 
I don't, maybe that'll work. Maybe it won't work. <laughs> it's better just to obey what the, uh, the signs say. Right? So Rosh Hashanah is one of those divine rehearsals. And uh, people don't realize that our New Testament talks about this. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9, it's talking about the shadow of things to come. Rosh Hashanah is the shadow of the judgment seat of Christ. When we're raptured, we go before the judgment seat of Christ, not to be judged if we're saints or sinners. Because where are all of our sins as believers? Under the blood. It's already been judged under the blood. But what we will be judged for is, did you use what I gave you? Were you involved in what I asked you to be involved with? And it says uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore we make it our aim whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he or she has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, I hope I'm persuading you, to trust in the Lord, to live for God. So notice here that uh, the message, there's nothing you have to do, contradicts the Scripture. There is something you have to do. And that's to be involved with being the light of the world. Right? There's nothing you have to do to make heaven your... I believe, Jesus, that you're my Savior. Please forgive me all of uh, my sins. I believe God raised you from the dead. Bam. Amen. But now that that's happened, what next? Well, I just sit around and live the way I used to live and, and just uh, wait until Jesus comes. No, you get busy. There's an old saying, when, there's all, when it's all said and done... There's usually more said than done. Don't resemble that remark. <laughs> Amen? So the judgment seat of Christ uh, will actually happen once and forever. Could it be this Friday night? I don't know. But uh, what, what, whenever it's going to happen, the point is be ready. Don't be caught unaware. Don't be caught sleeping. Don't be caught with no oil in your lamp. Right? And Rosh Hashanah is a shadow. So if you want to elevate yourself into a place where you know heaven is in my future and well done thou good and faithful servant is in my future, then there's things that we can learn as God's calendar unfolds. And that's what we're doing today. One day the judgment will be for all eternity. But if the Lord should tarry, there's still a judgment. Were you about your father's business? And there's rewards. Not every judgment is a bad judgment. Right? 
You can be before a judge and he can rule a judgment in your favor. How many of you would like spiritually for the Lord to rule in your favor a million dollars worth of blessings in your favor? Well, then we're practicing that. We're rehearsing for that. And the way that we rehearse for that, I'll get to at the end. Some of you remember uh, last year I introduced the Christian bucket list. And we'll hopefully have time to get to that. But if the Lord doesn't return, there's another year of rehearsal, another year of reward, another uh, year of blessing. And this is why we study these things. Amen? And it's also why this season is called the season of Teshuvah. How many of you have heard that word of many times? Teshuvah. A season of return. Return to me and I'll return to you. A season of repentance. Where we look at some things that might be blocking the blessing. And we look, God help me to change that in my life. It, uh, while I was preparing uh, these notes, I came across a, uh, a joke that uh, I shared uh, in a sermon years ago about the two men that were adrift on a lifeboat in the open sea. And it was starting to look real bad for them. How many of you remember that movie with Tom Hanks, The Castaway, and he's on that raft and it's looking real bad for him? And finally, one of them got real scared. And so he began to pray out loud. And he said, oh Lord, I'm so sorry that I've broken all of the commandments. I'm so sorry for all the bad habits that I've cultivated in my life. I've been drinking and cursing and stealing and treating people like dirt. But Lord, if you spare my life right now, I promise I'll change. I'll never do those things again, I promise. And suddenly, while he's in the midst of this prayer, his buddy on the raft says, Hey, wait, Tom! Stop that prayer! Don't go too far, because I see a ship coming in the distance. (laughs) <laughs> and when I, the reason I'm sharing that is so often uh, we know that there's things that we have to change and we sincerely cry out to the Lord, but then all of a sudden something happens in our lives where we get the thought, maybe it was the devil, maybe it was the flesh, whatever it was, we get that, I don't need to go that far. But God is asking us, as the shofar is blowing, he's asking us to take a look at how far we'll go with God. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because no one gets up early and comes early on Sunday to a Torah study unless you're willing to go farther than the average bear. So God bless you for that. But this is why for 30 days... God is sounding the shofar, and then another 10 days on top of that. He's, he's giving us a wake-up call. Amen. He's warning us that, yes, there's a reward, but there could also be a reprimand. 
In church, we don't like to talk about the reprimand part. (laughs) We just want to hear about the blessing part. We don't want to hear about the cursing part. But it's both sides of the same coin. There's rewards, but there's also reprimands. And so what we've got to do is make sure we're taking care of our Father's business. Remember, they asked Jesus as a 12-year-old, Where you been? I've been about my Father's business. Let us be found, especially right now, as Rosh Hashanah is approaching, taking care of our Father's business, setting the right priorities, making amends where we might need to make amends. Amen? That's a tough one. If somebody done you wrong and you've been singing the I done somebody wrong song, it's, it's not so easy to, to admit some things and own up to some things. This is a good time to do that because that's what helps you open the door for the power and promises of God. How many of you could have, uh, enjoy and appreciate a better version of yourselves? Amen. I can ask that question because my wife had to slip out. (laughs) She'd probably want to say, Amen, Scott. You need to make a better version of yourself this year. And so this is Rosh Hashanah. This is the Feast of Trumpets. This is the blowing of the shofar. And you may have heard this, that the Jewish blessing... When you blow the shofar is very interesting in that it says, Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who gives us the commandment to hear the voice of the shofar. Now, isn't that something? To hear the voice of the shofar. Not blessed are you who gives us the command to blow the shofar, but to hear what the shofar is saying. Rosh Hashanah, Elul, Teshuvah, the season that we're in, this appointed time is meant uh, for us to hear something spiritually from the Lord. And then when we hear it, we respond to it. Amen? And what is that voice saying? The King is coming. Jesus is coming. And we need to be about our Father's business. Praise God. How we doing? Amen. Are you getting something out of this? Now, here's a fascinating aspect of Rosh Hashanah. In that, uh, in ancient Jewish wisdom, Rosh Hashanah, uh, talking about Rosh Hashanah, it says, this is the day of the beginning of creation. In Tishri, we're in the seventh month of Tishri, Uh, but it's also the head of the year. You know, we talked about that. In Tishri, the world was created. So right now, we're going through, uh, about to enter in to the time on God's calendar when He created the world. And so God ordained for this time to be a new year, a new beginning. And so uh, within that, it's always meant to be a time where we look at our lives, where we look at what we've been creating and decide to ourselves, do we need to recreate our world in a certain way? 
Do we need to begin to speak life and not death over our world? God spoke and the world came into existence. Creation happened. In the same way, you and I, through the power of our words, we need to look, are we creating the things that God wants us to create? Now, obviously, the devil is working overtime to make sure everything uh, is messed up. And he wants us to focus on all the messed up part. The best thing to do is, Father, I repent of the messed up part. I'm not going to say, I'm not going that far. I'm going to ask for your repentance, ask for you to help me to change and help me to recreate some things in my family, in my health, in my finances, in my relationships. Amen? Now it's interesting that on Rosh Hashanah, uh, Jewish wisdom says the patriarchs were born. See? So here's this birthing. God wants to birth some new things as we head into the new year. On Rosh Hashanah, Sarah, Rachel, and Hannah all conceived. Here again, it's it's showing us, symbolizing that this is a season where God wants to birth something in you. Some new dreams, some new plans, some new priorities. God birthed that in all of us in Jesus' name. On Rosh Hashanah, the story of Abraham and the binding of Isaac is studied. Right? Well, part of what's going on there is we've got to be willing to sacrifice some things on God's altar. What are those things that we've been hanging on to that they're mine? They're for me! Me, myself, and I, and we're self-centered, and God is saying, let's be willing to put some things on the altar. Amen. And then, as we know with Isaac, God provided a lamb. So it speaks of, as you're willing to put something on the altar, God is willing to do something miraculous to provide for you so that it all turns out in the end better than ever. Amen. Who likes better than ever? <laughs> Me. Amen. On Rosh Hashanah, God halted Israel's slavery in Egypt. Boom. On Rosh Hashanah, Joseph received his freedom. Think about Joseph. In one day on Rosh Hashanah, Joseph goes from being a hopeless Hebrew slave and a prisoner to Pharaoh to becoming a a powerful viceroy. Bam! Just like that. Overnight. Bam! It happened. And what happened was the fulfillment of all his childhood dreams. Think of that. The problem that Joseph was having through the years is he kept making the dreams all about him. The dreams weren't bad. It's how he kept interpreting the dream. That it's all about me, myself, and I. 
And it became a self-centered kind of dream instead of a God-centered kind of dream. And if you look closely at Joseph's life, you'll realize at the very end, just before he had that dramatic promotion, he began uh, talking about my dream. And it turned uh, and switched over to the dream God gave me. And he showed some maturity. And he showed that he had come to a place in his life where he was willing to put his selfish dreams or how he was going to use the dreams for himself, he put that on the altar. And all of a sudden, his, his priorities changed. Look what happened. Boom. Sudden promotion came. And that's the kind of thing that's happening right now. God is getting ready uh, to suddenly promote you. There's something happening behind the scenes where promotion is coming. Advancement is coming. And God wants you to hear the voice of the shofar and say, Look, it's just not about me anymore, Lord. I turn and surrender my life to you. Everything is on the altar for you. Whatever your will is, I just receive it and I respond to it. And in that kind of spirit, boom, promotion comes. Amen? Praise God. So with all of this in mind, I thought it was a good idea to review the Christian bucket list. Because the bucket list is a list of goals you want to achieve. Dreams that you have for your life. Things that you want to fulfill and experience. Things that you'll do before you kick the bucket. (laughs) Amen. But what's wrong with a bucket list is that most people think about the bucket list like Joseph thought about his dreams when he was younger. It's just all about me. And the difference with a Christian bucket list is you begin to focus on Bible things that you want to accomplish. It's, it's mostly centered on how can I be a light to the world, not how can I get more stuff and build bigger barns and become rich in myself instead of becoming rich towards God. Amen? So this is the time that we do that. And so in just the last few uh, moments here, uh, I had put together uh, last year 40... Uh, Things on a Christian bucket list for the 40 days of the uh, Elul and the High Holidays. And uh, let me just go through a couple. Invite someone to church. Pretty good. Tell everyone you love, you love them. Amen. Learn to pray better prayers. Amen. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit or rebaptized. Make amends to someone in your past. Go visit someone in the hospital, a nursing home, or prison. Maybe you can't do that so much in the COVID era, but you can call. Amen. Or write a letter. Lead someone to Christ. Bless a needy family with some groceries. 
make a spiritual pilgrimage to the land of the Bible. Bucket list. Pray at the Western Wall. Faithfully attend church once a week. Welcome in Shabbat every Friday night. Pray under a tallit. Put a mezuzah on your door. Blow the shofar at the appointed times. Read one Christian book per month. Support one or more Christian charities. Become a faithful tither. Get out and stay out of debt. Invite your neighbors over for a life group. Volunteer regularly at church. Live a healthier, kosher lifestyle. Start a business. Use social media to share the Lord. Write your life story. Read every book in the Bible. Add fasting to your spiritual life. Chaperone a youth mission trip. Attend a Christian conference. Host a family reunion. Start an Ancestry.com account. Set up a retirement plan. Get new certification and add a new skill set. Go back and get your degree. Prepare a will. (laughs) Change career paths. Save three months worth of expenses. Turn your invention into a reality. You might be able to make 40 of your own. Or you can start with one or more of these that I just shared with you. In any case, right now is when historically, biblically, God created the world. And so he's embedded in this season heading into this Friday night, Rosh Hashanah, where the power to create is being released. And God is there, the Holy Spirit is there, His Word is there to help you and I create something new, a a new part of our destiny going into the new year. And that's a good thing. Can you say amen? Well, if you receive that this morning, give the Lord a big praise. Hallelujah.